0: Thank you for joining Crossroads Community Church today. We're so excited about what God's doing in the lives of the people of our church and the lives of those who are listening online. If you have any questions or want more information about our church, visit our website at www.crossroadscco.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now let's jump into the Word with this week's message. Um, How many of you have ever been told by someone that you have bad breath? Has anybody ever walked up to you and said, you have bad breath? Let me see those hands again. Okay. Yeah, no lying in church. Is there anyone in here that has never been told that you have bad breath? I want to see your hand. Okay. Um, I want to give you a little hint this morning. Uh, if, if someone offers, if, if someone says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a piece of gum, would you like three? <laughs> That, that counts. <laughs> but if you've ever been told that you have bad breath, it's, just, it's this horrible, awkward feeling in one sense, but in the other sense, you're kind of thankful because you know that now you can do something about it. You can take care of it. Now honestly, is there anybody in here that if you have bad breath this morning, that you want to be told right now? nobody wow (laughs) all right lean over to your neighbor and we're gonna No, we're not gonna do that so how many of us the majority I'm assuming in this room would say if we had bad breath I do I would prefer no one say anything to me I just want to go throughout my day totally clueless of the fact that my breath is nasty is that everybody I'm assuming so Well, we've been in Romans. Uh, Actually, Pastor Anthony started the series in Romans uh, last week, and um, today we're going to land in chapter 2. And today um, we're going to talk about a fun topic, uh, (laughs) self-righteousness. And um, I just want to preface this message by by saying, um, you know, last week, you know, Anthony talked about uh, God's judgment on the Gentiles. and, And if you are, for whatever reason, um, just not in a place where you want to listen to or talk about um, God's judgment, the next couple weeks are probably not for you. But uh, whereas this is, is a more serious message, it's an incredibly important message, I believe. And so um, this morning we're going to talk about self-righteousness. And the thing about self-righteousness is that it's, it's a lot like bad breath. It is, in the sense that it's, it's hard to tell that we have it. I mean, a lot of times we're totally clueless to our own self-righteousness. Everyone else can tell, but we can't tell ourselves. And, and just as it's probably not often that we, we have people tell us that our breath is just nasty, I mean, straight up nasty, uh, it's not often that we have that happen to us. In the same respect, I mean, how often, in all honesty, do we have people in our lives that lovingly come to us and say, you know, I think you're being a little self-righteous. And this is exactly what Paul is addressing in Romans chapter 2. And so, Pastor Anthony, last week, he preached from Romans 1. And um, in Romans 1, Paul, he gets on the Gentiles big time for their sins, for idolatry, sexual immorality, and this long list of destructive sins. And and Paul, being a, a Jew himself and a former Pharisee, I, I, you kind of see and kind of sense that Paul knows that um, his fellow Jews, while, while he's, you know, berating the Gentiles, are probably sitting on the sidelines saying, get him, Paul, get him, Paul. Or saying things like, you know, thank God I'm not like those awful Gentile sinners. And so in chapter 2, Paul then shifts to uh, the Jews and begins to dr- address um, the Jew self-righteousness. And self-righteousness, as I said, is a very difficult sin for people to see in themselves. Um, whether, whether we don't see it or we're just, we don't want to see it, it's difficult to see. Um, we say things, I think, and we think things like, you know, maybe, you know, people that are really bad, uh, you know, maybe people that are really bad need a savior, or um, how many of you have ever thought or said something like this, you know, I'm a good person. Um, God wouldn't judge a person like me, would he? I read a quote from Francis Chan this past week, um, and he says this, the most dangerous thing we can ever do as Christians is think that we are good people. And honestly, I want to ask us this, and this is going to be a morning of examining ourselves. And I just want to, um, actually, I just I feel impressed just to pray about that right now. I'm sorry, I know we just prayed. But Lord, I just pray that, Father, if there's anything inside of our hearts, Lord, that we do not see, would you reveal it to us this morning? God, the things... Um, that are deep inside our heart, rooted inside our heart. God, if we do not see them, would you pull those out this morning and reveal them to us in Jesus' name? But how, how, and on, on all honesty, this this lie that we are good people. How many of us have actually believed that before? You know, I'm a good person. I've done good things in my life. By and large, I, I'm a nice person. I'm kind. I'm generous. Um. Have you ever, and this is going to take some vulnerability to admit this, but have you ever looked at someone else and said or thought, "At least I'm not like them"? Yeah, and and, and myself included. The, I'm certainly not pointing a finger at you. I have as well. Um, and self righteousness is incredibly dangerous and it's it's very dangerous because it keeps us from seeing our need for the gospel. It believes this lie that we can be good enough. Thus we don't need a savior who died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, but we do. We desperately need him. Without the cross, we have to understand you and I never had a chance. And so in our text today, Paul outlines the dangers of being self-righteous. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app on your phone, let's go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 2 right now, and we're going to read, we're going to start in verse 1. The first thing I'd like to see as Paul addresses self-righteousness is this, self-righteousness judges others for the very same sins that we commit. Self-righteousness judges others for the very same sins that we commit. Paul says in verse 1, he says, You may think that you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. And you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do the very same things. How many of you in here have children? Um, Have you ever... Have you ever encountered a situation with your children where one of your children come running into you, dad, 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 so-and-so did this, and you're like, wow, and you're kind of upset, you're frustrated, so you go in there to investigate, and you realize that the person that told was like a culprit in the crime, <laughs> they, they both were involved. When I, yeah, exactly, when I was younger, I, my grandmother had this window that went Onto the roof of their house. (laughs) You could open the window and climb out onto the roof of their house. I have no idea how I'm not dead, but we would climb out onto the roof. But one day, I happened to go upstairs and I see my sister and my cousin are both standing on the roof outside. And what do I do? (laughs) Perfect opportunity. I ran downstairs, told my grandparents, they're on the roof. Oh, they got wore out. But again, I, I think you, you see the illustration. We're, we're guilty sometimes of, of looking at other people and saying, "What in the world are you doing while in the same respect, doing the very same things?" And so Paul is pointing out how prone we are we all are, every single one of us, myself included, to condemn others, but justify ourselves, even though we're guilty of the same sins that we're condemning in others. And I think we need to see that Paul isn't condemning, and this is, this is kind of where I had to wrestle with this, Paul is not necessarily condemning the act of judging per se, because I think that he expects that when, we, when you look at the Gentiles and see their sexual immorality and their idolatry, um, like that, they would, that we would agree that, that that's wrong, right? Um, but the problem with judging others is when we engage in the same behavior that we openly condemn, And so when we look at a person and think, I cannot believe that they would do that. And I think we all probably have thought that before. I cannot believe that they would do that. And then we do it ourselves or we do something similar or or we just sin in general. We then condemn ourselves. Uh, Probably one of the most frequently used verses in the Bible is Matthew 7 verse 1. and, And you guys have heard this. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Um, but if, if we keep reading, we would also see that in verse 6, Jesus tells us not to give what is holy to dogs or cast pearls on swine. And he's not talking about literal dogs and literal swine. He's talking about people who are dogs and people who are swine. And, and to obey this verse, we have to literally judge whether a person is a dog or a swine. Then in verse 15, Jesus warns about false prophets who come um, as wolves in sheep's clothing. So in the same respect, um, Jesus is, is, is showing us that we need to carefully judge people that especially this person is not a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. The point is clear. If we don't make correct judgments about people, we will eat, be eaten by wolves. So, so there's a... There's a uh, Jesus is not saying that judging in and of itself is wrong. Rather, self-righteous judging of others. Paul also tells us in Corinthians that we are responsible to to judge those in the church who profess to be believers who are living in sin. And so in Romans um, chapter 2 verse 1, Paul's not saying that it's wrong to judge others. And I'm not saying... Uh, again, there's a difference between how how Paul's saying that we as believers and as Christians should judge and self-righteously judging. Do we see that difference? Okay. Um, Paul's saying that it's wrong to self-righteously judge others while at the same time practicing the sin that you're judging others for. And so we could come up with a a ton of different characteristics of a self-righteous person. I just wanted to pull some um, texts, particularly from Jesus in the Gospels, um, that kind of give this description of what a self-righteous person looks like. And I, and I want us all to really evaluate ourselves. That's, that's the point of this, um, that the Lord would just you know, open our hearts, but to evaluate ourselves. So here's five characteristics that I found um, of a self-righteous person. The first one is that a self-righteous person judges the sins of others while overlooking their own sin, and we've been talking about that. Um, In Matthew chapter 7 verse 5, uh, Jesus says, and and this is a verse we've uh, heard a lot, he says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So you, you notice this little speck, you notice this little thing in someone else. And meanwhile, you have this two-by-four sticking out of your eye. And he's saying, look at yourself, look at the two-by-four that's sticking out of your eye. So a self-righteous person judges the sins of others while overlooking their own sins. Secondly, a self-righteous person picks and chooses standards. I think one of the most helpful um, chapters for understanding self-righteousness is Jesus, he's talking to this Pharisee in Matthew 23, and this Pharisee picks out certain parts of the law that they, they prided themselves on, and obedience, but they, they neglected other parts of the law, such as um, kindness and justice and mercy and faithfulness. So a self-righteous person picks and chooses standards. Third, a self-righteous person is more concerned about outward appearance than they are with godliness. Jesus said in Matthew 23, verse 28, he says, So you, too, outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are all full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Are you guys having fun yet? (laughs) yeah (laughs) I promise I'm not Uh, number four a self-righteous person is not interested in helping others but only in gaining a following again in Matthew 23 Jesus says this but woe to you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people for you do not enter in yourselves nor do you allow those who are entering to go in Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make your proselyte. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. And then lastly, a self-righteous person justifies themselves by comparing themselves to others. And so in Luke 18, Jesus told this far- this parable about a Pharisee who went to the temple and prayed. And this Pharisee was uh, was ridiculous in his prayer he was standing in the temple next to a tax collector and and his prayer was god i thank you that i am not like these other people like these tax collectors he says i fast twice a week i pay all the tithes that i get it's just ridiculous. And, and then later it goes on to talk about the tax collector, it says he beats his chest almost like in, in extreme remorse and repents of his sin. And yet the, the Pharisee believes that his prayer is the one that God's hearing. So as we, as we look at these, as you guys, um, hopefully if you have notes, have written these down, I want us to evaluate ourselves. I want us to begin to, again, have the Lord just check our hearts. So the first main thing that we draw from this text is, again, self-righteousness judges others for the very same thing sins that we commit. And secondly, um, self-righteousness brings you under God's judgment. Self-righteousness brings you under God's judgment. In verse uh, 2 and 3, Paul says, And we know that God and his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? And so, in this, at this time, Jews believed that if you were a Jew, you were treated as, as if you, you kept all of the commandments, and you were guaranteed eternal life. But Paul here applies God's judgment to both Gentile and now Jew as well. And he says, if you judge others for the very same sins that you commit, you too are guilty. And so Paul is saying that if a self-righteous person judges someone for a sin that he himself is practicing, Listen to this. He says, he will not escape God's judgment. And so if you or I condemn someone else for lying, but we ourselves lie to someone, we condemn ourselves. If we, if we berate someone who, who steals from you, but then you, we cheat on our taxes or we steal something, we will not escape God's judgment. And I want to be clear, to, uh, Paul's not saying in, in this text that um, we, you and I will escape God's judgment if we steal or lie, but don't, but don't self-righteously judge others. That's not what Paul is saying. Um, but he's saying, he's showing us that we, we have violated our own standards. The standards to which we hold others to, we ourselves aren't even holding ourselves to. We are doing the very things that condemn that we condemn others for. And so we are guilty before God. And I, I want to say this too, really quick. I think as believers especially, we have to really be careful. Again, Paul is saying self-righteousness is incredibly dangerous. But I think we have to be careful because I you know as as a youth pastor, encounter encounter younger people, and you know when I'm only 32. But when when I was um, in youth group, in some sense, um, I think the world has changed a lot, even in 15 years um, when I was in youth group. And I'll say that, like there was a time I think when the church could almost um, scare. The hell out of people, you know, scare people into relationship with Christ or scare people into religion, I guess I should say. Um, and, and I just don't find that to be true much anymore. I think what young people are seeking, I've heard this over and over again. Young people, you know, they, they don't want they don't want anything to do with church or or they don't want relationship with Jesus. And that's just not true. It just it really is not true. You know what young people want? They want something that's genuine. They want something that's real. Young people can read straight through and see straight through. Um, <laughs> like, for lack of a better word, our BS. They, I mean, in all honesty, they can see straight through it. Young people are just desiring and craving something that's real and genuine. And so, the, the problem with self righteousness is, is that I feel this is an incredibly dangerous place to be because it is such a turnoff to people that don't know Christ. It is such a turnoff. Oftentimes, we're quick, especially to point the finger at the world who does not know Jesus for their sin, and at the same time, boast of our own salvation. And boast of our own righteousness, and we look at our sin, uh, and we and we say things like I said before. You know, I'm a good person. You know, God knows my heart. But I believe, in all honesty, I believe that there is nothing more damaging to the gospel than self-righteous Christians. Because the problem with self-righteousness is, and you read in the Bible. We are all sinners. We are all sinners. We cannot escape that fact. We all deserve God's judgment. Sin is rebellion against God. Third point, self-righteousness leads to complacency, not repentance. Self-righteousness leads to complacency, not repentance. Repentance. In verse 4, Paul says this, don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? And so in, in verse 4, Paul's saying if you think that you can get away with sin because God is kind and tolerant and patient, then you're just wrong. Paul says his kindness should lead us to repentance, not to self-righteous complacency. And so God, God's kindness um, is very evident in, in all of our lives. I mean, I think, I think for the most part we could look at our lives and, and be incredibly thankful for God's kindness. I mean, for the most part, we have food to eat. We have a roof over our head. We have families that love us. We have bodies that work for the most part. And he, he, honestly, he treats us far better than we deserve. Would you agree with that? So God is incredibly kind to us. In the same respect, God is incredibly tolerant. I mean, honestly, God could, if he wanted to, strike us dead when we sin against him. He could do that. And how many times in our life have you and I known what we we knew what was the right thing but we deliberately chose to disobey God. And God could have if he wanted to justly struck us dead in our sin but he doesn't. He's tolerant. And then lastly God is incredibly patient. God is so patient with us. He gives us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to repent without inflicting judgment. When you think of uh, again, I, when you think about being a parent, right? Um, like there, I've said this before. I'm, I am. I need to work on my patience. It's like my, you know, my kids, I, I, I asked them this weekend. my wife is in at Camp Bear Cow, and so I, the four kids were with me this weekend, and, why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I asked them to clean up the room, and it's like 20 minutes later, I come back, and the room is the same, and you're like, oh my gosh. Clean up your room. Then you come back and it's a little bit, you know, like a Barbie got put up in the dollhouse. But aside from that, and it's like, you're like, come on. And you just get more impatient and more impatient until you erupt. And it's like, I look at my life and the things that I've done in my life and and the times where I deliberately chose to do what I knew was, was the right thing to do, but I did what I wanted to do instead. And the times where God could pick me up and just knock me silly, and yet He doesn't. He's kind, he's tolerant and he's incredibly patient. If we got what we deserved, none of us would be here right now. And so I want us to do I want us to think about this because because this is what I was thinking of this week. Think of a time where someone in our lives relationally was was incredibly kind to you. They were tolerant, they were patient when you didn't deserve it. Maybe it was a coworker, maybe your boss, maybe a friend, some relationship where you, where you see you see that happen. And I want us to think about this, right? Like this that that person that exhibited kindness and, and tolerance and patience, right? And we didn't deserve it that is just a small, tiny, little picture of God's kindness and His tolerance and His patience with us. We don't deserve any of it, and yet He loves us so much. And here's the thing: like God doesn't just He's not sitting up there, because we often think of Him like you know, there God's up there, um, but God the Bible said, is very present. God is present in our lives. The Bible said he's never, he never leaves us, which means that he, he is literally in this room. Do you believe that? He is with us right now. And God loves us so much. We are his sons and daughters. He loves us so much that his kindness, his tolerance, his patience is not withheld from us. I mean, he... He gives these things to us richly. But going back to self-righteousness, because we must, the problem is, is that sometimes we mistakenly think that because we experience His kindness, His goodness, His, his patience, his, because we experience these blessings, um, and God's judgment hasn't hit us yet, that we're Okay. We won't face His judgment because we aren't really bad, like those pagans that we're, Paul was talking about in chapter 1. But Paul says here, he says, If you think that God's kindness and His tolerance and His patience means that you will escape His judgment, you are in big trouble. God is kind, and He is tolerant, and He is patient. He is those things so that we will repent. Church, we must not mistake God's kindness to mean that we will escape his judgment. He is only giving us time to repent. So what do we do with all this? What do we do with our self-righteousness? Because again, as I said, it's, it's, it's dangerous, and, and, and we sometimes can't even see it in ourselves. So what do we even do? Well, uh, I think what we do is we, we need to seek treatment for our heart condition. Seek treatment for your heart condition. Paul says this in verse 5. He says, But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment is revealed. This past past year, in the beginning of the year, my mom is 52, and she had quadruple bypass surgery. Um... yeah, it's. <laughs> I was here at church, and I got a phone call that my mom had had a heart attack, and um, so I got in the car and drove down to Cincinnati, and she she had a um, the the front the the artery the main artery that goes to the heart um, was a hundred percent blocked when she walked into the hospital. Um, and, and they had said, they said that it, had she not been in the hospital, she would have passed away. Um, but my mom suffers from diabetes. She um, has to give herself ins- insulin injections. Well, I, most of you have not met my mother, um, but and I love my mother very much, but my mother can... Be a little stubborn. Um, and I had found out that she was not taking her insulin because she just didn't want to. And she was tired of pricking herself. And it's like, are you kidding? Um, wh- also, what I failed to realize is, you know, diabetes, if not taken care of, can affect every organ of your body, including the heart. And the doctor said that she's 52. I mean, it's, it's, it's fairly uncommon for someone that young to have a heart attack. And the doctor said that she had a heart attack because of, of the fact that she was not taking care of her diabetes. Her blood sugar was 400 when she went to the hospital. And so the doctors really laid into her, quite honestly. I mean, she just had a heart attack, and they're like, listen, you've got to take care of yourself. Because if you do not, you will be right back here or worse. And I I think this is a good analogy. Um, Sin is like plaque that that builds up in the arteries leading to our heart. Um, If because of our stubbornness, like we refuse to change our eating behaviors or our exercise behaviors or our exercise habits that lead to a a healthy heart, the result is not going to be good. Uh, it could be heart attack or, or possibly even worse. And, and here's the thing I think that Paul's saying, wrapping this up. Um, in the same way, if in our stubbornness we ignore our sin, if we, um, if we aren't even open to the possibility of God showing us things in our heart that need to be addressed, and we let it build up in our heart until it becomes hardened. Um, one, uh, I think it might, may have been NIV, but Paul, in the NIV, the translation, it said, but because of your hardened heart, you refuse to turn from your sin. And so we let this sin build up in our heart until it becomes hardened. Paul says, we are storing up terrible punishment for ourselves. Oftentimes when there's sin, such as self-righteousness, we we... We recognize it, and we try to address a particular behavior. Whenever there's sin, sometimes we think we've got to address the behavior. We, we say to ourselves, you know, or we, we try to stop doing what we're doing. We recognize sin, and we try to stop doing what we're doing. But as with any other sin, it's the same with self-righteousness, we will not defeat self-righteousness or any other sin for that matter addressing behavior. Sin is an issue of the heart. When we address the behavior we attempt to not sin, it leaves us frustrated and feel like failures because we just can't overcome it. We just can't do it in and of ourselves. And this morning, I think um, it's important that we just are honest with ourselves and say this. We cannot overcome our sin in and of ourselves. We were never meant to fix our sin. The fix to our sin problem is not ourselves. It's not doing better or trying harder. That's not the fix to our sin problem. The work that Jesus did on the cross is the way and the only way that our sins will be addressed. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says this. He says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. It's desperately wicked. The human heart is deceitful. So if that's the case, if our heart is deceitful, if it's desperately wicked, what are we to do? Well, the psalmist says in Psalm 139, he says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and leads me along the path of everlasting life. And so, church, I think, honestly, what we truly need is a spiritual open-heart surgery. We need the Lord to search our hearts for anything in our hearts that we've been ignoring, the things that we may not see or recognize. We need to invite him to search our hearts for anything that needs to be addressed. And then in humility... Because understand something, selfishness is a byproduct of pride. or Not selfishness, self-righteousness is a byproduct of pride. Once we recognize those things, then humility, repent. And repentance is just a change in heart and mind that causes us to turn from our sin to God, not just outwardly, but on the heart level as well. It includes sorrow for sin and, and turning from it. And here's the thing, too. We don't just do this once. Repentance is not a one-time thing, and we, we're, you know, we're good, and we, you know, it's, it's, it's a daily thing. It's a, it's a weekly thing. It's a yearly thing. It's an ongoing process. Sanctification is a, is a daily process. We are not made right. We are not made completely righteous when we receive salvation. Psalm chapter 51, verse 17 says, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. I want to invite the worship team to come up. I want us to understand something. If if this morning, you know, the Lord maybe showed you of some things that you don't like in your heart, and believe me, as I'm Prepping and preparing for this, I mean, I, I felt the same way. I think when we when we recognize sin, we feel we we have a tendency sometimes to just feel defeated. We have a tendency sometimes to recognize the Lord shows us these things, we recognize them, and then we're like, ah. Oh. But the psalmist says, and in chapter 51, God will not reject a broken and repentant heart. God sees our brokenness. And if we come to Him with genuine repentance, with genuine sorrow for the things that we've done, He will always hear us. Listen, there is nothing that we have ever done in our lives. There is nothing, not one sin that Jesus will not forgive us for if we genuinely repent of. What Jesus did on the cross, the work that he accomplished on the cross, he is more than capable and able to take what, the, the worst of what we think about ourselves. Our self-righteousness, our, our sexual immorality, our idolatry, the thing, all these things that Paul's addressing... The work that Jesus did on the cross is enough to take all of that. And sometimes, sometimes I think we, we think that like, you know, I, I'm, we recognize our self-righteousness and then we think like, my goodness, how could I not have seen this? And we feel so defeated and we say, Jesus must think that I'm, I, you know, this horrible person. And he says, No. If you come to me with a broken, repentant heart, I will forgive you every time. And so this morning, I want to offer you that opportunity. If you would say this morning, with every uh, head bowed and eyes closed, if you would say this morning, like the Lord has been working on me, working on my heart. He's revealed some of these things to me this morning. It's only by the work of the Holy Spirit If you would say in this room this morning that there are some things that you need to, Lord, to reach into your heart and to deal with. I want to to remind you of Psalm 51. I want to remind you that he will not reject a broken and repentant heart. If you come to him this morning with genuine repentance in your heart, he will hear you and forgive you.